What does it mean to awaken? Awakened individuals see a world beyond our own. To awaken is coveted, and those who have awakened prized highly by not only the awakened, but by all. Awakened are visionaries. Awakened are powerful tools. But an awakened mind is a critically thinking mind. An awakened mind is not so easily bent. It is a dangerous game to try to control one who has seen beyond the lie that is reality. And that is exactly the game that is being played at the highest echelons of the government. Warning. The following contains mature content, including violence, body horror, death, and suicide. start in uh, underground basement somewhere in Georgetown. It's a three-story pit with down in the bottom there's a fight happening inside a cage with onlookers either fighting each other or it looks like they're betting on the fight. The crowd is definitely not a reserved group but there isn't wanton violence. These fights all look planned. It's very under control. And a woman in a long red dress is looking over the crowd every so often and directing security to move people apart or to bring people together. Up above this fight club, something stirs. And the thing that stirs is your character-ish. My character, Gabriel de la Guerra, awakens from his daytime slumber in his office in the fight club that he owns, the pit. And he goes about his normal nightly business of overseeing the, the club. You are... Are you walking the floor or are you staying up in the office? I'm staying up in the office just watching the uh, video camera. Yeah. Highlights of the fight? Yeah, there's generally some interesting fights. Uh, usually the fights don't pique my interest that much, but uh, tonight there seems to be some pretty interesting uh, brawls that gain my interest from time to time. Because those generate more uh, cash for me, so yes, correlation of interest. Um, at the moment, there's someone fighting with like a spiked chain, and there's actually quite a bit of blood on the ground. So that's, that's pretty exciting, right? Um, yeah. But unfortunately, the fight is brief. 
and the rotary phone in the room begins to ring. Well, it's hardwired, but as you pick it up, there's still static on the end as the electricity reacts to your presence there. Gabriel, there's excellent results coming in from the fight, but there's a woman here, South Quarter. And uh, you see that down on the floor, your manager, Danielle, is on a phone, like a cell phone, mm -hmm. and is indicating the southern quarter where you see a woman completely out of place. She's dressed in tight-fitting jeans and like a denim jacket with long, straightened black hair and blood-red eyes. She doesn't seem to be looking at you, but even at this distance, you can feel her presence. Danielle, can you show the woman in denim to my office? Should I have her escorted there or bring her myself? I would prefer to bring her yourself. Yeah, she she summons someone else from the floor up to like continue supervising the floor while she walks over. She brings this woman in the denim jacket up to you. And as the locked doors click open, you see her. She's strikingly beautiful and she's familiar to you. You saw her before at the meetings, back when there were meetings. There aren't really meetings anymore. It's been pretty quiet, just you fighting your own battles. And part of you is relieved to see this person here because she was on your side, a very reasonable person. You remember her as Vasantasina. But as she walks in, you can't tell if she recognizes you. You know that she is famous for being a seer able to predict the future and possibly insane. You know, maybe those things are connected. And Danielle's gonna shut the door after looking at you with a little bit of concern, but then shut the door. Welcome to my establishment, Vicentosina. Thank you, but I don't use that name anymore. You may call me Selena. Very well. Selena, would you have a seat? Do you care to enjoy any refreshments? As much as I am sure that you are an honorable and good host and that your refreshments would be excellent, I... Fear that as in most situations, time is the essence. Very well. And I suggest for her to take a seat and I walk over to my side of the office and take my seat. You must have heard that I can see things, visions. Yeah. So much of what I see is dire. 
the skies burning red, raining black, acid rain onto the people below. The elders crawling through each other's blood in the sand. I fear that it is Gehenna, but isn't it Gehenna every day now for the past 30 years? It seems like. My usual visions are full of doom and gloom, and there are others who I must deliver those messages to. But for you, Sir De Agrera, I bring a message of hope. Alpha. I have seen her. I have seen her in my visions. Seen who? You know, the one. She who was dead, but was not dead, you must have heard the rumors. Heard some. Wonder no longer, for she is alive, if you can call it that. Try to hold back my excitement. She can feel it. Your, your blood has started to pump. And there's a different yeah. tension to the air. Her aura stays smooth, unflinching. What have you seen in these visions? I have seen her kept in a place far from the light of the sun. A place that no mortal man might place her. There is an otherworldly presence that is responsible for her disappearance. I believe that it serves our foes. And do you see any chance of salvation for, for her? I do. I see beings coming to her, entering into the chamber where she is kept. If you could follow them, be with them, then you could be there as well. Well, can you share this vision with me? There is a way within my power. But to do this, to see as I have seen, you must drink of my blood. That's a risk. I think I might have. I must find her. Is there no other way? I could describe what I have seen to you, but it would lose some of its purity.
I do not take this lightly. And I will not abuse your trust. I have waged for thousands of years against the blood bond. I would never allow one to willingly become my servant. Then if you will permit it, I would be honored if you would share your blood with me. And she extends a hand. And I take it and just give her one look, last look in the eye. Um, I'm going to share that vision in full with you uh, a little bit more throughout this season, but ultimately uh, I'm cutting from that moment to the doors of an elevator closing. Inside that elevator are three people. Those people are Mackenzie Ward, their brother and partner, Eustace Ward, and a bellhop, a sort of pale, green-skinned looking young man, shorter than either of you, in an old-fashioned bellhop hat, the full getup. After walking into the junkyard, past all the ruins and the cars, you saw a building. And the building, while it was but a shed, had an elevator inside. There's no music that plays as you descend into the ground. Kenzie leans over to the elevator operator and asks if he's wearing the uniform ironically. He looks at you and roll an insight check. Sorry, empathy for you. Empathy because I am human. Uh, Intelligence empathy? Yeah, that would work. Uh, so that's one, two, three successes. Okay. With three successes, you get weird vibes off this guy. There's something up with him. He doesn't immediately answer your question, and his eyes look kind of like glass, unnaturally like glass. Uh, I lean back. The bellhops aren't even a thing anymore, are they? Definitely. Still not. The 20, we're the 21st century, right? This is the... Yeah. I don't think he's here to watch us. He's got, you know, a look, a lack of a look. Uh, you've gone about six stories down by now. There's no numbers on the elevator. I know I got poke on the shoulder. Hey, bud, so uh, how'd you uh, land this gig here? He looks at where you touch him, and even through his clothes, you can tell that he's cold. Um, He 
just blinks a real big blink at you. And then he opens his mouth. He doesn't have a tongue. That, you, uh, that, that's unfortunate, but... Uh... The elevator lands. There's a little ding. The doors slide open. I, I leave. It was, it was nice meeting you, guy. He, he doesn't yeah. wave as you leave. So they either, so Project Halo shuts us up one way or another. I used to. Seems uh, pretty legit. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'll find out who's in charge here. Okay. Uh, as you walk into this room, the room itself is a circle. It's got a bunch of black plastic and metal armchairs. In fact, it looks very much like a maybe an airport waiting room. There is a little desk. It's not in the center of the room, but it's directly in front of you. There is no one currently at the desk. Around the room, you count 10 garage doors, essentially. There's like those sliding doors. Um, and actually, I guess it's nine of those, and one of them is the elevator that you just came out of. Actually, there's two elevators. There's one where you came out of, and there's one across the way. So do we come out of a freight elevator with a garage door? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, is this is this a Halo establishment? There are a bunch of what look like secret agents here. There are people dressed, most of them in suits. Um, one of them is in a leather jacket. What are you two dressed as? Um, Kenzie is in. Oh, did you go? You can go first. No, no, you you go first. (laughs) Mine's very boring in comparison to yours. Kenzie is in uh, lime green and purple uh, leopard print leggings um, with. She's gotten in trouble for wearing non-work appropriate shoes. So she's wearing like black sneakers that she just picked up at the store. Um, But she also has a uh, teal striped long sleeve shirt and a uh, like a lavender shirt that has a bunch of like kawaii demonic symbol mixture on it. There's like a a Ouija um, planchet, but it says meowji on it. It's... (laughs) Uh, little cute cat faces and daggers and hearts and um, it's a Lisa Frank occult line um, and then a very bright orange uh, vest and then there's a bunch of patches on it with like, unicorns and the stars um, and then like rainbow heart earrings and she has her regular uh, teal mullet um, that she kind of fluffed up today so it'd be like extra big, feeling kind of jazzy going to this 
cool new work assignment. Everyone is looking at you. Puts up the peace sign. <laughs> Some of them look away and like, uncomfortable silence others like there's a clear like eye roll there's definitely not a lot of reception to the peace sign here no one peace signs <laughs> back give myself a peace sign like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and yeah trevor what does cricket look oh yeah like? i i blend in very much with the crowd i'm wearing a, a three-piece suit I, I catch one of the the gazes of one of the guys rolling his eyes, and I'm just like, yeah. Uh, you recognize? I see this. <laughs> um, no, he's a secret agent. He's behind you. Uh, I also had a lot of glitter, but I try very hard not to get on things because I have been told not to get it on things. But I forget, and I'm still glitter. Yeah, there's glitter in the elevator. There's glitter through the junkyard to the secret elevator. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Cricket, you actually recognize one of these people here. Uh, a man named Edgar Rohde is standing next to a woman. They're kind of tense. All right, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll go up to Eddie and uh, sort of come up behind him, pat him on the shoulder like, hey, Eddie, I haven't seen you. God, how long has it been? Feels like a hundred years, he says. So yeah, what, uh, what's new? Do you know, uh, what are we waiting for? He's got a kind of paranoid look in his eye. And he says, I don't know. We all just showed up here a few minutes ago, one at a time. No one's been here to greet us or say anything yet. But I've been, maybe we should, we're not supposed to talk about it, he says. Sure, I'm sure we'll get a debrief soon enough. Um, yeah, it's so unusual. What was going on with that bellhop guy? I've, I've never seen anything like that. What bellhop guy? Um, you came out of that elevator, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're right out of Beetlejuice bellhop. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess... Maybe he was on his lunch break or something. I don't know. It was uh, it's very, very unusual. It's the middle of the night. You should know. Oh, well. Definitely not a lunch break. I mean, Maybe well, a normal 15. Maybe a break. <laughs> I don't know. Something tells you that he's not the kind of person to take a break. But at the same time, you don't have too much time to think because you, it seems, are the last ones to arrive. Emerging from the floor on like a platform rising up is a man dressed rather simply in a white button-down shirt and black slacks. He's got a shaved head and um, he's got a very furrowed brow you would say he's like concentrating on each of you he puts his hands together indeed and he looks at each of you and says please be seated i go to you uh kenzie and just like got a steve jobs wannabe over here 
You made a joke. I'm so proud of you. I'm rubbing off on you. I elbow you and they're just like glitter, glitter. Yeah, Eddie leans in and says, he never makes a good joke. He just makes jokes. <laughs> it's, I mean, at least he tries. None of you smile. That's bad for you. I've seen some YouTube videos that you could watch. I can send them to you. Just send me your... Actually, that guy's name is Smiles. You look over. He does not look like a person who would ever smile. Behind a camera, too small to be noticeable by the naked eye, in just another room, is Gabriel, along with some other people. You've been invited down onto this base. Um, this is essentially, this is the blackout zone. It's located just south of the city. And you're not sure about a lot of the stuff that goes on here, but your contacts did say that essentially this place was dangerous. It'd be dangerous even to you they didn't recommend that you go down there, but yet at the same time, this is where they are. You're watching them through the cameras now. You know that you could go into that room at any point, should you choose to. Am I with other individuals? Um, the other individuals here are all on monitors. They're like monitoring signals. Now, the strange thing about them is that they're all wearing like these big sunglasses inside. And the sunglasses are sort of like a reddish black tint. And they go all the way around their vision. They cut off this part here too. Oh. Okay. And how many other people are in? this room just eddie uh, uh there are six other people and you have their files opened up in front of you um edgar Rody, rob marvin chrissy marmot renee ray lily palmer and charles carson are their official names but they each have a monkey or that's like their call sign or what have you the person who is running this meeting is a man named Hitchcock. He is alive, but he is um, aware of what you are and made it clear to you when you came down into his operation. He was a little indignant about this interruption, but because of the people that you work for, he could not object. Mm -hmm. um, and is he in the room with me? Yes. Uh, no, he has actually entered into the room with them. He is that guy in the white button down, the Steve Jobs wannabe. Okay. Um, all right. I just want to watch that for a bit. You've been called here, he tells the assembled agents, because 
we see great potential in you, but we haven't brought you to where you need to be to fight the battle that is the most important, the battle for all of our lives. If you succeed here, then you may well be responsible for safeguarding some of the most deepest secrets in all of American history. It is up to each of you to steal your will and your mind. Be ready to accept anything. I'll need you all to turn over your sidearms now. Do I have a sidearm? <laughs> he says, I didn't... Was I supposed to have a sidearm? Every other person is turning in their guns now. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly not. I like disengage my gun and like, make it safe. And head it over. Okay. Yeah, he puts them just like behind on the desk. You'll be led through the facility by my assistants. And we're going to ease you into the process. Um, one of the doors slides open, uh, up, I suppose. And there come some people in trench coats. They've got little uh, identifying tags, but you don't recognize the logo. And they are each holding a tray with four little cups on it. They start bringing the cups around to each of you. I've seen this movie like 12 times and I don't like it. It's like a normal is this, thing. Is this squid game? It's one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh, yeah. Uh, Eddie just shakes his head. He's clearly not in it for the jokes. But the woman next to him kind of is like, that was a good one. Uh, in each cup, there are pills, two of them. They're each a different color. What are the colors? One of them is red, and one of them is blue. I've seen this movie, too. <laughs> Which one of you is Morpheus? You may call me by my handle, Hitchcock says the man in the room with you. No one laughs at your jokes. Can we take both of these? Yes. And the quicker you do, the better. What are they for? One of them will ease you into a sleep, a deep sleep, and the other will awaken your mind. Out of all the handles, you had to choose Hitchcock. Not Morpheus, but I choose the one that wakens my mind. No, you must take both of them. You must take both of them. Uh, oh, well then. All right, so we're going to dream some pretty trippy dreams, and I'm going to blog about it. I take two of them. Sure, I do it. Uh, follow my assistants here into this room, and there are these big medical recliners um, the feed that you were watching 
does flip over so that you can watch this other room too. It's very clear that there are like body pulse readings on each of the agents as they step into the room. They're like watching their vital signs. Uh, you sit in the chairs, I suppose. Yeah. And it's not long. You can't tell how long. There is a moment where you can like look around at the other agents, but you feel yourself slipping to sleep. I die, it's your fault, Eustace. I take no responsibility. And suddenly you're in the most vivid dream that you've ever had. Um, what is your dream there, Kenzie? Uh, is this a positive dream or a negative dream or both? Yes. Yes, okay. Uh, um, I'm in a forest. The sky is orange. Um, that's really the only noticeable color because everything is pretty dreamy. So it's more or less in grayscale. Um, the forest has uh, brick roads going through it uh, and these giant mushrooms um, going, walking through the path. There is this giant castle that is clearly made out of something organic or not made out of is, it is an organic castle this giant structure with turrets and um whole thing towers um there's no windows because there shouldn't be holes in flesh exactly but there are like one entrance that's kind of like when you look at an ear like a canal going through it um yeah, and I'm kind of walking through it and there are a lot of spiders uh, up in the trees. Uh, uh, and now you're lucid. What is happening in your dream? Um, I'm kind of going, whoa, this is, this is weird. This is like kind of dizzy stuff you find on channels you're not supposed to be surfing. Uh, I'm going to go, hello, spiders. I don't have a phobia of spiders. Hello, spiders. They look very much like Disney cartoon characters, almost two-dimensional as they look at you. Do they have multiple eyes? Definitely, yeah. Are they the cute cartoon eyes or are they the vicious evil eyes? You know, it's somewhere in between the two. Um, they're not quite adorable, but they're also, they're just... No, they're also not perfectly realistic, so there is something charming about them. Hello, spiders. So, uh, will you tell me which way I'm supposed to be going on this glorious path forward? They do this thing with their hands where they point in one direction, and then they point in another direction, and then they point in another direction, and they point in another direction. And you're looking at where the hands are crossing each other, and you're finding yourself brought deeper and deeper 
into that singular point. At which point we come back over to another very different dream where Eustace, what is your dream? Uh, so I find myself in a swamp. And I'm just, it's not like a typical swamp. I get, I guess it's a, it's a very dense forest, but does have like a, like a swampiness to it. The air is thick and foggy. And I'm like just wandering around and I stumble across a person who's like sitting on a large rock. And they're clearly in like a meditative pose. And I'm like, hey, excuse me, can you uh, tell me where I am, where I need to go? And he like, still in the meditative pose, completely ignores me. And I get, I get a little bit closer. And I'm like, excuse me. And he opens up like one eye and he just closes it and ignores me. And he goes, it just says, go away. And I'm like, rude. And I go to turn around and then realize I'm in a totally different spot, still in the forest or the swamp forest, in the middle of nowhere. But I turn back around and the guy's completely got no idea where he, is, where he went. So I keep wandering until I find a, a massive tree, one that overshadows all the other ones. And for whatever reason, I decide I'm going to climb it. So I start climbing it, and uh, when closer I get to the top, I realize that there's a, a very bright light emanating from it. And I keep climbing and I'm climbing, which seems to go forever. I'm now, I can see the top of other trees. And I, I guess I just keep climbing. And for whatever reason, I can't seem to reach that light at the top of the tree. It's because the branches keep breaking. Every time you cl keep climbing up, the branches snap as if they're frail and brittle. And suddenly you're conscious in your dream. All right, yeah. And I notice I'm really, really high up. And in fact, I'm particularly cool with it. As you look down, you see that the ground is just covered in bones and bodies of people who have fallen from this height. You are so high up and you can just see the bodies all around. Let's not fall down then. And it is at this point at which both of you are electrically shocked awake. Oh my God. No. Why? Kenzie says very loudly. Um, rule me a wits plus composure check. One success. Ooh, success. Two? Okay. Um, you both notice that the other people inside this room are going through the same kind of like being shocked awake thing. But the other thing that you notice, Kenzie, is that one of the 
other people is missing. And very much a la Squid Games, while they were asleep, uh, Ishmael, you saw someone come in and take one of them who was like seizing and convulsing just like out of that room. I'm going to ask you, Sith, wasn't there, wasn't What's Her Face sitting a couple of chairs down? I don't see a bathroom. The man in a white button-down shirt walks out and says, come with me. You may notice slight visual and auditory hallucinations, but do not be concerned. This is part of the process. <laughs> Kenzie's like, all right, okay. I mean, no, I've never done this or experienced with this before in my life. Eustace, don't worry. Give you a very dirty look. Uh, you were led from the sitting chair room out into that big round room from before. The guns are no longer on the desk. I will return to you shortly those of you who do not survive the process your families will be compensated and he begins sinking into the floor excuse me what i did not i read the terms and conditions i signed nothing like this at all what um inside the spot the room that's observing this uh he walks back into that room. So Hitchcock has now joined where you are, Gabriel. And he's looking at you, trying to like assess what you're thinking. Very interesting that you keep these uh, and, uh, cadets say, uh, on their toes, very, very in the dark. For what is about to happen, it must be completely unexpected. What happens next is the door, one of the doors slides open, and behind it, you see a horn, just a single six foot long jet black horn. Um, it over the cameras, it just looks strange. But in the room, there's something about it. Something that you can feel crawl through your skin. Let's roll the resolve plus composure roll to you. at it you begin to cry because there is something just so beautiful and wrong about the horn someone else one of the other people 
grabs one of those metal and plastic chairs. They break it apart from the other ones. They're using quite a bit of force. And uh, Kenzie, you're unable to look away, but you are able to look away, Eustace. What do you do? So someone is grabbing a chair? Yeah, if that guy called Smiles, um, he's breaking it off of the other chairs. Um, yeah, I'm going to grab my own chair and start creating a makeshift weapon out of that. Okay. Um, it's very attached. He looks like a muscular guy. Roll a um, strength plus athletics check to try to break off this chair. I don't have athletics. Do you um, have brawl? Nope. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a chance die. Uh, <laughs> oh, I rolled a zero. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I got a one. Okay. Uh, there's a crack as it starts to separate, but it has not broken free. The person with the chair runs towards another person in the room and lifts it up and brings it down. That person, just as Kenzie is, is transfixed by the horn for a short amount of time before they are walloped by a metal chair. Yep. That's what's happening now. Kenzie, what are you doing? <laughs> Thinking, saying. I like slowly get up and try and touch it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It was like, I, I probably have my phone because they wouldn't take it away. They took away guns. They didn't take away phones. No, they did I'm not. just going to slowly get up and just <laughs> take Oh, <it>. man. <laughs> So here's the thing. It doesn't show up on your phone. It is just like a black hazy outline around where that horn should be. Like no ghost cam. This is just a phone. But it's so beautiful. So I'm gonna take a picture like that and then try like three other filters and this doesn't have any effect. Uh, no, no, no. Every single picture just has that haze there. Does that knock me out of my being obsessed with it? Um, no, it doesn't. And you can hear something whispering in the back of your mind. And it's definitely saying something to you if you want to listen to it. I don't. <laughs> Enchanted <laughs> Kenzie probably does. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I is also slowly getting closer, like with video on now, like slowly getting closer, trying to. Uh, it's essentially telling you that you know what they're doing is wrong. This is wrong. They are not right. You know what is right. 
you need to stop what is wrong. 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 And as you think those thoughts, that person bringing down the chair is just like wailing into this other person. Um, another yeah. door slides open at this point and the horn door slides closed. That does break the hold on Kenzie, but it doesn't stop that frenzied person with the chair. And suddenly Kenzie, you are aware that there is blood all up and down one side of your face. I'm trying to get it off. No, that evil. The door that opened on the other side of the room, there are people who come through with like tranquilizer darts and like light up that person who is beating the other person with the chair. Um, Can I have a change of clothing and leave? The people who have emerged are in full hazmat suits with like a reddish black glass over the front. So you cannot see their features. Uh, And they have fired several shots of tranquilizer into that person with the chair who is slowing down, but not stopping. The body on the ground is a man beaten to a pole. He's possibly alive, though. I do not like this. Um, I'll look at the video of the horn that I have on my phone. You just see that blackish haze. It's kind of got a point, so you can tell that it kind of was a horn. Uh, this is messed up. Um, yeah, I want to go over to Eustace. Eustace. You, Eustace. What? This is not... This is not what I signed up for. That guy... That guy is... Kind of alive, but mostly jam. Uh, in the background, there are definitely more people in hazmat suits coming in to try to contain that. I got enchanted by the most evil unicorn horn in the world, probably. And it doesn't even exist, kind of. I mean, we see this kind of stuff, but not this kind. We're not the people we're supposed to be attacking. And it was either this or you got uh, neuralized, Kenzie. So, I mean. This is normal? Like, you expect Jesus. You act like I know what's going on here. Um, Eddie is clearly shaken as well. He looks over at you. He's looking over at the other woman who he was with. His hands are shaking a little bit. His pupils are real big. In fact, all of your pupils are pretty big. The injured person and the tranquilized person who does eventually go down are being taken out of this room. And now there are four of you. I I know. Sorry, there are five. There are five. Three others and you. In my room, I want to address Hitchcock. Yes. 
that was rather unpleasant. Is there more that they have to go through or is Yes, of course. You can tell that some of them are close to breaking. He points yeah. at Mackenzie on the screen. They won't make it through the next few tests, most likely. But if they do, they'll be very valuable. And some of the ones that look as though they're fine, he indicates Eustace, they'll be the most obvious when they break. Just so you know, some of them are interests to me, but continue with what you're doing, gathering information. Yes, well, they'll be more useful to you and our cause, I'm sure, after my training is complete here. Once it doesn't interfere with our cause, I am very proceed. <laughs> great, great. Um, one of the women who is left sits down heavily in a chair. Anybody else in the room doing anything? All right, Eustace. For posterity, so we can tell mom at Thanksgiving, this is your fault. One of us loses a limb. And I put my arm around Eustace and I take a sad selfie. <laughs> <laughs> like I do like a weird smile. It's not like a good smile. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> uh... Better than last year's Christmas photo. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing. I guess I'm not trying to break that chair apart anymore. Um, I guess I'm actually probably going towards the door that was next to the garage, the door with the, the horn. Very curious what's going to come out behind that. Maybe there's like a way I can close it. Uh it doesn't look like it would be easy to close. It's probably got a pretty strong gearing mechanism. And what happens is that as you reach it, it does start to open. And there's like a light coming from within. Almost like a golden Pulp Fiction-esque light. Like you're blinded by it, but you're also enticed. Are you just going to stand there as it opens? Uh, I'm going to back away a little bit. All right, you take I'm a gonna keep, I'm going to keep digging. Yeah. Uh, give me a dexterity plus athletics check to back away. I don't have athletics. I think it's probably bad. I don't have that skill. So yeah, you uh, have a minus one penalty in fact to this roll. All right. I do have dex though. So. Yeah, you, you stumble and fall just as the door opens up. And inside there is a green meadow and standing there, looking at you, is a unicorn. A brilliantly white horse with a shining horn upon its head. The horn is smaller than the one that you saw earlier by a significant amount, but it is still quite long. And the unicorn is a large horse, you would say. It looks with you at you with eyes that know. They know your soul. Everything that you expect that you would feel while looking at a unicorn, you feel it now. Is Kenzie also? Yes. 
Oh yeah, you see it. You're just not like right up close with it. This is probably the happiest day of Kenzie's life. <laughs> and I can see it in the month as well. The month. Yes, you can. Um, Kenzie is going to take a picture and then put her phone in her pocket so she can pay attention to the unicorn, which is a pretty big deal. <laughs> and go, Eustace, you didn't tell me that unicorns were real. I'm just going to go and try and touch the unicorn. All right. You walk. Towards... Or, you know, put a hand up to see if. If unicorn wants nose boobs. Uh, why don't you do a resolve composure check again? Um, you can both roll that, in fact. Not fine. Ah, I failed. I got one success. Okay. Um, yeah, you walk towards the unicorn. The unicorn's so great. You put your hand out. It's for nose boobs. The unicorn walks right up to you and you get nose boobs from this unicorn. No one else in the room is moving. Eddie is making a noise, but Kenzie is not aware of this noise. It's like full on anime sparkle eyes with like the light going through like this is the most beautiful thing in the entire world big shiny tears unicorn boobs just saying unicorn boobs over and over probably (laughs) unicorn doing anything else besides like putting muzzle in hand um you feel the unicorn sadness This unicorn longs to be free. I'll find a way, unicorn. I'm just getting closer. I'll I'll find a way, Mr. Unicorn. (laughs) Eustace, Eustace, take my picture, Eustace. I'm very un- uncomfortable with this situation. <laughs> I'm gonna actually try to grab you, Kenzie, and sort of like pull you away very slowly and gently from this unicorn. I'm used to this. The unicorn is also sad about it as they are parted and the door slides closed. Instead of five people in this room, there are now three. You two and one other. Uh, A woman that was with Eddie before, but everybody else is gone. You didn't even see them take them. Uh, You did on the cameras, however, uh, see that those two people, Eddie and the other woman, were just like, freaking out at the unicorn and like just staring at it intensely and then they started like twitching and it was something was going on with them you couldn't tell what it was um but they were brought out of that room uh and at that point hitchcock leaves the room that you were in 
Eustace, we have to find a way to free that unicorn. I'm going to see if there's any uh, service on my phone. Yeah, is there any? There's no service at all. Yeah. There are like eight stories underground. But they have to be communicating somehow. I mean, can I try and see if there's any even local wireless running? None. None, nothing. It's all wired. Are there any interfaces in the room? Computers, wall, panels. There are electrical outlets, but there are no computer panels. Um, Hitchcock returns to the observation room. He looks at you and says, uh, I'm now going to assess their viability. Would you like to come with me? Yes. Uh, was there uh, any furniture in the room I was in? Uh, there were like chairs for those people to sit at and there was like a little raised stage that you could watch all of the monitors on. There wasn't really like real furniture whatever was i near anything uh any of those objects yeah essentially when the unicorn was happening i grabbed, grabbed onto any one of those things and bent it like oh yeah you saw that unicorn you're just like <sighs> yeah and like, one of the chairs is now like snapped half in half yeah Cock looks at it suspiciously. But proceed. I will follow you. Um, three of remaining people in that other room are re-led into the sitting room, the one with the big chairs, except there's only three chairs now. I don't know what's going on here, but they are clearly keeping some of the most majestic creatures in the entire world and universe down in a stinky basement. And that's already against the, I don't know, FDA. I don't know animal stuff. PETA, they can't be doing this. Is there anything that you know about the situation? Or like, if I, you know what? Never mind. They shouldn't be doing this, doing this, and someone should do something about it. At this point, Hitchcock enters into the sitting room, and accompanying him is someone who is not dressed in a lab coat. Gabriel, would you describe your character as they would appear? entering this room. Absolutely. Um, I walk in. Um, I appear to be a uh, male, uh, generally Hispanic, uh, ethnic heritage. Uh, I have a, I'm roughly 5'10", uh, roughly 175 pounds, um, muscular build. Um, I dress in a black suit 
very uh, expensive uh, suit, very fashionable, um, with uh, a nice gray shirt. And uh, also, uh, I have a very intricate haircut of a beard on, on my face um, and uh, stylish hair uh, cut and parted. Um, and I am wearing sunglasses as well, uh, akin to uh, Morpheus, mm -hmm. essentially round, okay. black circular sunglasses. Uh, uh, that doesn't appear to be bothering me at all for whatever reason. Um, and uh, that's, and black gloves, and I'm just very reserved. In, Intense of my presence. But unless anyone wants to do anything, Hitchcock is going to launch into another speech because that's what he does. I like. Uh, he, he's totally like excellent. You've done well making it so far. I was really surprised to see this particular group still here you must know that what you have seen is both impossible and reality let your mind linger on these details as you fall back asleep as you sink into your chairs you will find how easy it is to fall asleep listen to the sound of my voice as you slowly and steadily drift off to sleep. And you find yourselves being hypnotized to fall asleep. Yes, it is true. I roll for it. Yes, you may roll to resist it. Um, resolve composure. Uh, it is just resolve in this case. <laughs> Mm, no, Kenzie falls asleep. <laughs> I got two successes. I'm fighting hard to ignore this Steve Jobs wannabe. Okay. Uh, you can feel it washing over you, but you don't fall asleep. He looks at you and he says, Cricket, isn't it? That's what they call me, yeah. How has your evening been? Uh, one of many curiosities. And you've seen curiosities before. You seem to be handling this quite well. Certainly isn't the first time, no. If we simply needed you to be able to handle this quite well, then... I suppose I would let you continue on, but there's something powerful when someone breaks and his head breaks open into hundreds of eyes and he's staring into you and he's staring through you and roll another resolve check. I don't sleep for this. Oh, uh, yeah. Two successes again. Not enough. Uh, 
you feel not sleep, but an intense burst of terror like you've never felt before. There is just an irrational fear that flows through your mind. Um, This isn't possible. This isn't right. Something's about to happen. You can't tell what it is. Um, And then you lose consciousness. Uh, You should know, Ishmael, that on the outside, his head did not break into a thousand pieces. Uh, He just looked at him really intense. And then there was a moment of real concern from Eustace, who then passed out. That's right. Interesting technique. Yes. Have you not seen arts such as these before? I have. Here and there. I am as Hephaestus, wielding his hammer. I will make great works of these. But first, we must make sure that the steel is not flawed, that it will not break when we bend it. I understand. Ordering is important. You have a mind unlike others that I have touched before. I find it very curious. Allow me to join you. I will not shape anything while I'm there. I'm not sure if I could. I will show you what they are finding and I will prompt them into a childhood memory. memory. Uh, Eustace, you're in a childhood memory now. You do remember that uh, guy with too many eyes, like a lot too many eyes. They did say that we would hallucinate from those drugs, possibly. So oh, for sure. That's what I'm thinking it was. What childhood memory are you in? Oh, uh, we. I'm in the. Uh, I'm at the Ward Estate, and. Uh, just like in the, the greens there. Oh yeah, there's a party Probably. going on. But you're a yeah, child. I imagine I am like a kid. I think Mackenzie's there. We're playing like hide and seek, just running around the grounds, just ignoring the party. Trying to, you know, being being kids, running around, doing kid things. Oh, yeah. Something terrible happens at the party. Something that you might not remember. What is it? Uh, so there's a really bad, like, shriek. Like, someone in the crowd's like, oh my god. And uh, there's um, a person there that dies for no particular reason. Well, at least doesn't seem obvious yeah. to what I remember. You see your great-grandmother leaving in concern as people flock around this body who has dropped to the ground, a beautiful young woman. And that was the first time that you saw death. You can't believe that you didn't see it before now. Mackenzie, what's the first time that Mackenzie saw death? 
this have to be a family-related memory? No. Uh, Kenzie was relatively sheltered from things. Was very young at that party. Has no super young, no relevant memories. Um, but at boarding school, uh, Kenzie wasn't particularly friends with a lot of the other girls at school, so it sit out. Um, out underneath the, uh, out by the library, kind of just out in the courtyard, eat their lunch, eat our lunch, and um, just sitting, eating, perfectly portioned broccoli and meatloaf and whatever other the fancy school was serving. Um, there is some air displacement and then a very wet, heavy thud in the courtyard. 10 feet away from where Kenzie is sitting enough that their little uh, uniform socks get just a couple flecks of blood as the first person of the year jumped off the top of the library building. We're going to put a suicide warning on this video now. Oh, yes. yes. Yep. Nope. That. That's totally fine. Uh, serious biz. Don't do it, team. We all want you in this world. And everybody deserves to live a full and rich life. It's a really horrible tragedy. It was awful. Yeah. Um, Kenzie did not continue to not make friends uh, as they went to um, talk to a therapist that year to talk through uh, being comfortable in life and being comfortable with other people making their choices by understanding that everyone needs help and having a real tough year. They did not, she, Mackenzie did not tell her family what happened that year at school. In the dream, off in the side, there are two men standing and watching in the psychiatrist's office, watching in the field at the school, watching at the ward estate as the people gather around the body. And those people, Gabriel and Hitchcock, have a small conversation inside a dream. It's something that you've never experienced before. It's a novelty. It's a little uncomfortable being here inside someone else's mind. And you're not sure how you got here. Hitchcock says, there, now you've seen the two that interest you. And yes, of course I knew which ones they were. What should I do? I could give them a chance to unlock themselves, but if they are not capable of sustaining it, then they will break. Or should we wake them and take them from this place? No, they should, uh, should push them to their limits so that they may unlock their true and full 
let me show you something. And there is a shift to Kenzie's memory. Kenzie is uploading secret images into lattes. There's a graphic on the latte and it's a secret code. You don't know that much about secret codes, but you're inside Kenzie's head. So you know that it's a secret code and it's a bunch of government secrets. I would never. (laughs) Yes. I am concerned that if we empower this one, then it may ultimately work against us in our agenda. I assume that you also seek to walk on the path with the rest of us. Of course. Then perhaps I shouldn't push this one. Just let it slip away. Is there any way to plant a seed in this one that maybe would? Yes, I could try to shape them even, but when you shape something during this delicate process, it can really change the way everything turns out. Nature must find its way. We must uh, let it take its course and and see what we uh, what can happen as a result. I'm curious as I've ever been in quite a while. All right. Um, In each of your dreams, so let's start with Kenzie. There are two men there now. You're in a different dream, a different part of your life, a memory perhaps. Um, I'm moving out of the ward estate. I'm packing up my red beetle with trying to fit in the last monitor. It's just, it's pretty much one suitcase overflowing with rainbow clothes and just trying to fit as many monitors and computers and hardware into my car. There are people people waiting at your car. It's Hitchcock and Gabriel. Though you only know Hitchcock's name, I suppose. What are you doing here? Um, I'm here to give you this, says Hitchcock. He extends a USB. Do I know I'm in my dream? Or am I in, in dream Ooh. brain? You are a little bit in dream brain, but this is such a weird thing that roll me a wits composure check. Uh, One success. Yeah, you kind of get the feeling like something's off. Is this a dream? Am I dreaming right now? 
gonna take it like where where did you come where did you come from i'm looking down, at it down the road and the road extends into infinity it just keeps going and they're gone and the car's gone and you're in the woods eustace where are you in your dream Uh, I am still in the gardens. I'm like sort of inside one of like the hedge maze. Um, yeah, just wandering around in there. Um, in the hedge maze, as you turn a corner, there's a brilliant white tree with rainbow flowers. Standing in front of the tree are two men. One in a white button down and the other in, sorry, a black coat. Black suit, purple coat. In a black suit, in a black coat. And I recognize him from earlier, sure. You do. Uh, You think that you might I've seen them when you were awake, but does that mean that you're asleep now? Great question. It feels like a very realistic dream. Yeah. Uh, I asked him, uh, what are you two doing here? We're here to bring you the key. The key to... Uh, he holds out a grappling hook with a rope. What am I supposed to do with this? You'll know. Interesting. Okay. Well, thank you. You're supposed to climb. The voices behind you. I look around. You're in the hedge maze. There's a tree. Oh, I'm supposed to climb that tree. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I sort of do one of those uh, twirls with the hook, and I throw it into one of the bigger branches up there. Hopefully yeah. it catches. It does. And uh, yeah, like I'll put my feet on the trunk and I'll start climbing up that way. Okay. And as you are climbing, some of the branches start to snap. But you catch yourself. The dreamscape changes as you climb the tree with the branches snapping off and you remember this tree. This is the tree that you were in before. You feel that there are bodies on the ground. Do you look? Oh, I don't dare look this time. Don't particularly like heights that much. So yeah, no, I'm not looking down. I'm gonna keep climbing. And uh, 
Yeah. I got that trusty little grapple hook. I'm feeling pretty confident. Okay. So you continue up the tree. You do see someone sitting on one of those branches. Do I recognize them? Only from your dream earlier, the man sitting cross-legged, his back turned to you. I'm gonna go up to that branch and you know take a seat, but I'm not going to address myself or make myself be known. The branch creaks underneath your weight. He's all the way at the end of it. I'm going to make sure the grapple hook has secure footing. And, you know, I've got that thing now wrapped around myself. So in case it does for to crack, I'd be okay. One of his hands comes around his back and extends out to you, palm upward, except it's turned at an impossible angle so that his elbows bend the other direction. Gross. Does it look like he's trying to, like, he's waiting for me to give him something? It does look like that. I'm going to try to see if I can't find, like, an, an acorn or something and put it into... No? No acorns here. Mm. The tree is barren. All those rainbow flowers that you saw before, you've passed them by or they just never were here. You could look down and try to see if you can see them. No, I... Pretty good. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll give, like, take his hand, just like hold his hand. His hand is cold and clammy. It tightens around yours. And from there, we jump over to Kenzie. Kenzie, you're in a forest. There's a road. It goes forever. Uh, there's also that creepy flesh castle. And spiders, I guess. Cool. Um, I I check my pockets. Do I have like my phone or like that USB stick that that person? You do have that USB stick. Cool. So nothing to put it into. All right. Cool. Um, I'm gonna start walking, and unless there's any other place of interest, I'm probably gonna start walking towards that castle. Great. Perfect. Walking towards the flesh castle. You uh, see that the trees around here are kind of like flesh and they also have thorns and you're walking along this path and it's a great path. Um, But something about this woods makes you feel uncomfortable. And then you see it. It steps onto the path, shimmering, blindingly white, it's a unicorn. It's your unicorn. Yay! Uh, going to gently approach the unicorn. Remember me? We're best friends. <laughs> Put it my hands down on one knee in front of you. Um, I'm going to curtsy. Kenzie curtsies. And then, because I have read so many unicorn books, <laughs> um, and goes, goes, would you lead me to 
Home's not a great place. Um, Will you lead me on a grand adventure? It clearly says yes with its horn bobbing up nice. and down. Would it be like disrespectful and inappropriate if I asked to ride on your back? Because if that's like not okay, I will gladly walk beside you. But there's, I just wanted to check. There's a horse shake like... Mm. Cool, cool. Kenzie is going to very carefully try and figure out how to get on top of a giant horse. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's bent down, so it's easy for you to do, and you do it because this is a dream. Yeah, all right. Kenzie is riding a unicorn, best day of her life going on. Ride the unicorn. Its hair changes to like rainbows as you are riding, just like pinks and purples flowing along in a majestic mane. Uh, and down this road, into the flesh castle, into that orifice that's kind of like a belly button, just like straight oh, down no. into it with the, the blinding brilliance of unicorn all around you, keeping away whatever it is that's moving out there. Um, into the belly of the beast, unicorn. <laughs> yeah, into the belly of the beast and then up, 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 a winding helix of a stair to a giant flesh computer. Man and machine alive. Unicorn, this is what, we've been going towards AI all wrong. It's not artificial intelligence, it's non-artificial, totally or natural, 100% organic intelligence. Okay, I'm gonna go is there uh, an interface? There is. And it's got a fleshy orifice with which one could put in a USB. Oh, man. This is disgusting. <laughs> Take out the USB drive. My followers would lose it. I put the USB stick in. You receive flashes of vision. People woven together into a web in a dark room. Worldwide web. <laughs> right, I'm not going to lose it. You see that there are um, stars blinking out one by one as there's some sort of dark circle that subsumes them like a black hole enveloping the universe. You feel a clock counting down inside of you. Your fingers tap across a keyboard and a prompt appears that says, enter username. Unfortunately, without thinking, Mackenzie types in Mew Mew. <laughs> uh, your reality breaks. Reality is but an illusion. You see the true source code for a moment, and you awaken in the realm of fairy tales. Mew Mew is risen again. <laughs> uh, oh, no. <laughs> 
Cut to the backwards-handed man holding your hand and his head slowly turns around. His eyes are closed, sealed closed with a crust. And his flesh, his flesh is dead. Flies buzz around his eyes. Around his eyes? But his eyes are closed. Uh, his eyes are closed. His head is backwards. His hand is backwards. And he's holding your hand. Uh, I say, so it seems we uh, meet again, friend. A big yellow smile. Something crawling beneath it. What is your name? The smile gets bigger. The bone-like gums underneath. The other hand bends backwards towards you. And it makes a motion like this. Uh, so I'm actually not gonna like, so yeah, he's motioning towards him. I'm gonna stand up as if I'm gonna walk. He's still holding your hand. Uh, He won't let go. No, super tight. I got the, uh, I got the rope from the, the gravel hook around me. I got that like fixed in. I'm gonna give like like a quick tug. Yeah, it feels very solid. Solid, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna sort of just dive into this guy. Okay. Go over the, the branch. All right. Go for a free fall. Over the edge, falling down, down, down. You spiral, the rope twisting and turning behind you. He smiles, serene as he releases your hand. And he extends out to you a shining pair of bone scissors. Bone scissors? Take it, I guess? And then... He makes a gesture like this. And he keeps falling. And you catch on the rope. Oh. <laughs> I, I see what he's trying to get at. And uh, I don't want to. Oh. What other ways are out of this dream? So I. You think of all your reasons to live and you realize you don't have that many. You came down here to this basement. You brought your closest living family here, willing to die, willing to do anything for the state. Right. Not very proud of that. And for that, I I take those scissors and I the rope you fall down 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 into the underworld 
You break through the bones and the bodies at the bottom. You break through the people worshiping around the tree. You break into the darkness and you can feel the sweet end of everything. You understand that the end is not the end. You find more, but you will never remember what was there, not perfectly. when you awaken, and it will be some time before you awaken, you find that the back of your hand has a black mark. It looks sort of like a birthmark, but it also looks sort of like a face inside a circle, somewhat like a coin. I suppose it'll be some time before you physically awaken, for you just spiritually awoke as a Moros mage. Um, and from there, I suppose that Hitchcock turns them over to your care, Gabriel, and says, I was instructed to let you have what you desire and you may have these. Thank you for your hospitality, and I will make great use of them. And that is where we will end this section of our story. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I always think that awakenings are super fun to run. I also liked that you had no idea that this was an awakening until the very end. It pleased me quite a bit. <laughs> Nope, I was so ready to play a hunter. I was so ready. <sighs> also very exciting. <laughs> Kenzie's going to cause some mischief. Oh dear. So yeah, I'll, I'll work with you to apply that template to your characters, and I can't wait to see where this goes. Though where it goes next is to Mysteries from Beyond the Stars. Star Mystery. Uh, yeah, that's right. Oh, man. Um, um, we play these games mostly because they're a lot of fun and I love hanging out with you all. But we also love sharing them with our community because these games are cool. We love Chronicles of Darkness and just the flavor and the setting. It's, it's good stuff. It's a fun playground to be inside of. Yeah. Any last messages for people who might be watching this on the interwebs? <sighs> like I almost want to say don't trust your GM. <laughs> Worst to live by. Never split the party. I thought you gave us spoilers, <laughs> and then they were not spoilers at all. It was something totally different. Cool. I'm excited. It was great. Yeah, um, I'm glad to be here for my first time. So very excited. Yes. I'm excited to see what type of um, vampiric drama we're getting pulled into. Yeah. Me too. Are <laughs> yeah. 
there's a lot of drama. Drama is what keeps us going. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's always the end of the world. <laughs>